I'm Katie Brain and thank you for tuning in to Goodness Gracious Grief. Now, it's been five years since I lost my dad and yes, it does get easier with time, I know that's so cliche, but you still get kind of caught off guard and get caught out the blue by these waves every now and then and you know if you've listened to my podcast I do describe them as waves. I want to talk about this morning because this morning was rather strange. I was on my regular morning walk and I saw so many white feathers that I actually laughed out loud to myself that these are just the poor leftovers of a poor bird and not a sweet sign of someone you love watching over you like I like to think normally. And then I managed to get locked out my back garden. I have no idea how I had the key, but I just could not get in. And I had to walk the long way round to the front of my house. And luckily my other half was in and so I could ring the doorbell. Otherwise, to be honest, I'm not sure what I would have done. Um, I could have actually been stranded outside my house on the street with my dog for quite a few hours. But once I was in the house, I was thinking ahead and I was thinking at the weekend, it's dad's anniversary of his death. and I must take some flowers to the cemetery. I always like to take him some sunflowers. And I said, right, I'm going to go Friday because I'm over that way. And then a couple of hours later, it hit me that it's actually today is dad's anniversary and I got my dates mixed up. So as you can imagine, I felt awful for quite a while. But then I guess in a way, this does kind of show that it is getting a little bit easier. And although he was in the back of my mind and a new date was coming up, I wasn't so fixed on the Pacifics. And I mean, I've had a cry since thinking back to that day in detail and, you know, just the events as they unfolded and they're still really fresh in my mind and it's days like today where I allow myself to think about it. Um, You don't want to be doing it every day. You will drive yourself crazy. But a lot has changed in the last year, let alone the last five. And a little update about my life. Um, So we're doing a big house renovation at the minute, which we are completely in the middle of. Um, But I'm also expecting a baby before the end of this year. And, you know, everything moves on and changes. And my dad is never far from my thoughts. Um, And he was actually the first one other than my partner um, who I told about the pregnancy. We, we were keeping it quiet until the 12-week scan. We didn't want anyone else to know, um, partly because we were getting over the shock ourselves. But um, I was visiting my dad at the cemetery. I was just sitting there on the bench, and I just said it out loud to him. I said, Dad, I'm pregnant. And I think it was a bit of a relief for me to actually just say it out loud, even if, you know, he didn't hear me. Um, but I don't know, is that weird? Or is it nice? So I'm still not sure. But I like to think that he was the first one that I told. And as it is five years on from my dad's death today, I wanted to talk more about the disease that took him. And we all know someone with cancer or someone who's lost someone to cancer 
or you may have even experienced cancer yourself. But do you actually know how many cancers there are? There are more than 200, more than 200 different types of cancer and each and every one of those is diagnosed and treated in a particular way. Just some stats for you, one in two people will develop some form of cancer during their lifetime and in the UK the four most common types of cancer are breast cancer, lung cancer, prostate cancer and bowel cancer and just like that list most of us do differentiate types of cancers by where they appear in the body but there's another way to group types of cancer and it's not just where they appear but what kind of cells they attack and this kind of breaks the disease into several common types so you have carcinoma sarcoma melanoma lymphoma and leukemia now They might sound quite familiar to you, but you might not know what all of them are. Well, I want to focus today on myeloma, a blood cancer. And each year in the UK, approximately 5,700 people are diagnosed with myeloma. One of those people was my dad. So I got in touch with the charity Myeloma UK and I was able to speak with their patient information manager, Alice Barron. And I started by asking Alice, what is myeloma? Myeloma is a type of blood cancer and it originates in the bone marrow. Um, So the bone marrow is the spongy bit in the centre of your bones and that's where all your blood cells are made. So um, you've got a kind of blood cell in there called a plasma cell and that's a type of white blood cell. And normally that produces an antibody or an immunoglobulin, and this helps the body fight infection. In myeloma, though, the plasma cells become abnormal, and they start producing something called paraprotein, which is actually a useless antibody. So um, they stop doing their job and helping to fight infection, and they start producing paraprotein, which then goes on to cause problems within the body. So this paraprotein can um, come out of the bone marrow, and it circulates in the blood, and uh, it can clog up your kidneys. So quite often myeloma patients will end up with kidney damage as well. Um, And as well as producing this paraprotein, the myeloma cells multiply within the bone marrow um, and they actually take up a lot of space. And this means that the bone marrow can't produce as many blood cells as it would normally. So this crowding out in the bone marrow means that you you aren't producing enough white blood cells, red blood cells, platelets, So um, that affects patients that way as well. Um, And then lastly, the myeloma cells also interfere with the way that bones are normally remodeled. So bones are in a constant state of remodeling. So they get broken down and remade. And this is a really fine balance. So normally you don't end up with any difficulties. But with myeloma cells, they interfere with the cells that are doing the breaking down and the remaking. And that means that you end up with like little holes within the bones called lytic lesions. Um, and these lesions leave patients susceptible to fractures um, because they're weakening the bone. And my dad, he had multiple myeloma. It, does that mean something different? 
No, multiple myeloma and myeloma are the same thing. It's personal preference as to which you'd rather see. Um, so myeloma doesn't exist like a solid tumour would do. It's not just in one place. It's called multiple myeloma because it exists in many places throughout the bone marrow of the body. Do we know what the causes of myeloma are? Unfortunately, we don't know for definite what the causes are. We know that they're likely to be an interaction of genetic and environmental causes, uh, but we aren't able to say, you know, if you have this certain thing, you definitely will have myeloma. We do know that there are certain risk factors that are involved, um, but again, we don't, we can't say for sure whether someone will or will not get myeloma, unfortunately. Now, when I think back to my dad and when I start trying to think, when did he become poorly? I remember him having a, a sore ankle and he was really struggling to walk. And I don't know, you know, if that was the start of it. That was kind of a, a year before um, he passed away. But mm. what what are the symptoms? So the symptoms are uh, linked to all the things that myeloma does in the body. So um, the ankle pain is likely to have been to do with the uh, lytic lesion. So bone pain is incredibly common for myeloma patients. Um, and that's because the holes in the bone are causing aches and pains. So uh, it's frequently in places like the back, the ribs, legs, anywhere that the bone marrow is active, really. Um, and you can also end up with something called hypercalcemia, and this is where the levels of calcium in your blood are too high. And this is because the calcium that's being broken down from the bones is then entering the bloodstream. And that causes things like thirst, nausea, vomiting, uh, confusion. And so that needs to be addressed um, when once you're diagnosed with myeloma. Um, some of the other symptoms are they're linked with the low blood cell count. So uh, one of the most common ones is fatigue. Mm -hmm. And that's because myeloma patients are often anemic because they aren't able to produce enough red blood cells. So they aren't getting the oxygen around their body and it means that they're exhausted all the time. And it's a, it's a real tiredness that isn't like normal everyday tiredness. It's a fatigue that doesn't really get better with a good night's sleep, unfortunately. Uh, also, uh, myeloma patients, one of the key symptoms is infection. So because they're not able to produce their white blood cells, they aren't able to fight off infections as well as they would have done previously. So um, it might be something like catching common cold and it just hangs around for a really long time or um, pneumonia is also very common, unfortunately, with myeloma patients. So it's, uh, yes, it's linked back to the blood cell counts that they aren't able to produce as many white blood cells. How is it diagnosed? Often, myeloma patients are kind of diagnosed by accident sometimes <laughs> because um, the symptoms are incredibly vague. So many people often think that they're just getting older or they've pulled a muscle or something like that, or they're just a bit tired and run down. Uh, so frequently it, there's a blood test run um, and then the blood test will show that there's an increased level of this protein in the blood and that's usually a bit of a red flag for GPs or whoever has run the test um, and then they'll go on to have, if they suspect it's myeloma, they need to have imaging tests done to see what the skeleton looks like to see if they can see any of these holes in the bones and then they'll also need to have a bone marrow biopsy um, and this is quite a painful procedure in some cases. So they need to go into the bone marrow, usually it's in the hip, and they'll take out some cells um, from the bone marrow and have a look at them under the microscope to see if they can see any uh, abnormal plasma cells. And that's usually when you get the diagnosis of myeloma.
Is this cancer curable at all? Sadly, it's not curable, but it is treatable. And so this means that patients will have a round of treatment and then hopefully go into remission. Unfortunately, we're not yet able to get rid of all of the myeloma cells in the body. So the treatment really brings down the level of myeloma cells to a manageable level. So they're hopefully not causing any more complications or symptoms for patients. Um, and then hopefully they'll be in remission for a good while. This can be months or years. Um, and then unfortunately, the myeloma will start multiplying and becoming active again and at that point you'll need to start treatment again and so it goes around in the sort of cyclical process of relapse treatment remission relapse treatment and so on is there a timeline with myeloma at all from you know diagnosis to to end of life it's incredibly individual um, some patients respond really well to treatment um, and particularly if you're diagnosed early enough so you haven't got some of the more severe complications like kidney failure, for instance. Um, so some patients do really well with the treatment and they can have really long periods of remissions. Um, I know that Myeloma UK have been in contact with people who have had decades worth of remission and they've been doing well. Um, unfortunately, some patients don't respond as well to treatment and that is a big area of investigation in uh, the research world at the moment, trying to understand what it is that means that patients don't respond to treatment and what it is that means that patients do respond well to treatment. Um, so it is incredibly individual um, and unfortunately we wouldn't be able to give timelines from diagnosis to end of life. Do we know though how many people are diagnosed each year roughly? Yes, so there's roughly um, 5,700 people diagnosed each year. So that's just under 16 people a day and about just under half of those people are age 75 and over. So it's um, mostly a cancer of older generations. That, I was going to ask that. I, was gonna, I know that we've spoken about, you know, um, symptoms um, and causes, mm -hmm. but are there certain people that are more at risk? You know, you've just mentioned age there. Could it be heritage as well? Is there, is there any information that we have at all? Yes, so um, from population studies, we know that people with African heritage are more likely to have myeloma, and that's about twice as common in um, those populations. Men are also one and a half times more likely to have myeloma than women. And then there's also things that uh, put you at risk, like your weight, sort of being overweight and obese is more likely to put you in a risk, risky group, um, exposure to toxic substances, some autoimmune disorders and exposure to certain viral infections. There's also a group of people who have a condition called MGUS. This stands for monoclonal gammopathy of undetermined significance. And this group, um, it's a condition which is related to myeloma and it's a precursor, but not all people with MGUS will go on to have myeloma. So it's only a very small uh, fraction of that group that will go on to develop myeloma. But those people with MGUS are more likely to develop myeloma. All of these risk factors are just risk factors. We don't know, even if you have all of these, you might still not go on to develop myeloma. And it might be that you have none of these risk factors and yet you still develop myeloma. So unfortunately, it's really hard to tell who will develop it and who won't develop it at the moment. I hadn't heard of myeloma um, mm. until my dad was ill. 
Um, but obviously the work that you're doing at Myeloma UK to raise a awareness, but do you still find that it's one of the less known cancers? Oh, absolutely. I think most people will have heard of lymphoma and leukemia, so the, the bigger blood cancers. Um, but yes, people really haven't heard of myeloma and actually it's the third most common blood cancer. So it's really shocking that people haven't heard of it. Um, people often get it confused with melanoma, which is entirely different to skin cancer. Um, so it, it is very surprising. Lots of people haven't heard of it. And I know lots of patients won't have heard of it when they get their diagnosis. Um, so that's why we're, we're really passionate about making sure there's information and support for people because it's, it can be terrifying being diagnosed with something that you've never heard of before. Um, so that's why we exist to support those people to provide accurate, up-to-date information to help them cope with their diagnosis and to live well with their condition. That was Alice Barron, Patient Information Manager from Myeloma UK. If you want to find out more about the work that they do, then go to their website www.myeloma.org.uk. Thank you so much for listening. I will be back soon, I promise. I'm Katie Brain and you've been listening to Goodness Gracious Grief.